We're so grateful that, that our church didn't get blown up yesterday by the storms. And that, and that that which we had authority over, at least as far as I know, nothing was, was hurt or damaged. We're just so grateful. We're so grateful for your protection. We pray for the people that were hurt yesterday and, and suffered loss, that you'd restore their losses and, and that you'd take a bad situation and work good out of it as only you can do. Now, we thank you for your word. It'll go forth and not return empty, but accomplish what it's sent forth to do. In Jesus' name, all of God's people that agreed with that real loud said, Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Open your Bibles this morning to Daniel 12 and Matthew 24, if you would. Just teach for a few minutes here. I think you'll find this interesting. Daniel 12 and Matthew 24. I want you to really pay attention and listen to what it is the Word of God has to say this morning. Uh, God wants to help some people here. Now listen carefully, all right? Daniel 12, Matthew 24. I'm supposed to talk today about God bless America. God bless America. Now I said to the Lord, I said, you know, this isn't the 4th of July or Memorial Day or why do you have me on this subject? But you know, I learned a long time ago to obey the Spirit of God. And so we're talking about God bless America. And that's what He has done and would like to continue to do. But before I say more about that, I'd like to look at just, just two undeniable signs that we're living in the last days, before the second coming of Jesus. Now, I could stand up here for several hours and go over with you the numerous signs that the Bible shares with us that we are undoubtedly living in the last days, right before the second coming of the Lord, you know right before the rapture of the church and the tribulation and all begins, and then eventually at the end of the tribulation period, the second coming of Christ, we're living in that, in that time. And I could share just dozens of signs with you from the Word of God, just two that I think are perhaps the most clear, evident, and undeniable. One is in Daniel 12, 4. said, You, Daniel, shut up the words. Daniel 12, 4, shut up the words. And seal the book until when? Until the time of the end. Now, I want you to participate with me now. Until when? Time of the end. See, if you participate, you're more likely to get something out of it. Until when? Time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And you could even make argument about what all that means. Some scholars say that, you know, speedy travel and, of course. But but look at this next one. And knowledge shall increase. Now, that's undeniable to me. If you look at just the last 50, 60 years, all the, the knowledge that has, in, has increased. There's no question to me that we're living in the time of the end. Now, I know nobody knows the day or the hour, but we're living in the time of it. Now, look at Matthew 24 and verse 1. So knowledge has increased vastly. Now, Matthew 24, 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, verse 2, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming in the end? Notice, the end of the age. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, will deceive many. Well, you can make argument that that's happened over the years in different times. 
and it has, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and of course you could make argument that that's happened at different times over the last 2,000 years. See that you're not troubled. Well, we need to definitely take note of that verse. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now notice that the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences. And you could make argument that that has happened different times, trying to pinpoint the end of the age, the end, you know. And then he says something that has my attention, has had my attention for a long time. Earthquakes in various places. Earthquakes in various places. And the Amplified Bible says earthquakes in place after place. Now, haven't we seen that? I mean, it's almost a weekly occurrence anymore. Wake up in the morning, the new show comes on and, you know, big quake, rocks such and such. Quake hits here, earthquake hits there, earthquake hits there. Now, that's to me undeniable. Jesus said that about 2,000 years ago. And we're living living in a historic time, I believe. And, uh, you know, I've listened to end-time teachers teach for years about, you know, that... We're, we're coming up on it, we're coming up on it, we're coming up on it. And, but I'm telling you what, I personally believe that we're, we're right. Look at verse 8. Here's where we are, in my opinion. All these are the what? The beginnings of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. He said the end in verse 6. He said the end is not yet. But I believe that we're at the beginning you ever heard somebody say the beginning of the end? Now, when I say end, I'll just ease you a little bit. This earth, is, according to the Word of God, is not going to be blown up by a nuclear bomb. All right? The earth is going to remain. Now, at, at a certain point, at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, that thousand-year reign, He's going to renovate this atmosphere and this earth with fire. And it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But when it says new in the Bible, it doesn't mean new as never having existed before. It means new like the way you take an old house and you'd renovate it. Fix it up. It's going to be renovated. He's going to burn out all the sin. And then he's going to move his throne. God's going to move his throne to earth. And we'll live, praise God, in the glorified bodies upon the face of the earth with the Lord Jesus forever. Praise God, you know. And I could give you a Bible for all that, but, you know, uh, take, take hours to get through it. But that's kind of it in a nutshell. But we are at the beginning of sorrows. And you need to realize that. Now, I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I never have been, you know. But, but I do have to tell you the truth of the Word of God. We're living at the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. You need to understand that. The beginning of sorrows. And... Uh, But thank God we've got the Holy Ghost, don't we? To help us through it. And so the question is, what about America? What about America? What about this nation? What about this great nation? Well, it was started by God. You need to realize that. As godly people left Great Britain and came here to be able to serve God freely and unhindered. And America was founded on godly principles of the Bible. You need to realize that. And America, over the last 200 some odd years, 200 plus years, has grown to be great. And the Bible says in Proverbs 14 that righteousness exalts a nation. 
and you realize that righteousness used to be taught in the schools. They used to use reading material in the schools that quoted from the Bible. You understand that? The Bible also says that sin is a reproach to any people. And so while this great nation was founded on godly principles, in the last 50 or so years, 50 plus years, give or take, America as a whole has lost her moral fiber. God was kicked out of the public school system, and I, I, I know that because I taught in it for a long time. Now, thank God for good Christian teachers that were there and administrators, but they were few and far between. Perverseness on television, you can't even watch a G-rated movie anymore without having some kind of perverse commercial come on in between. Now, is that right? That would have been unheard of 40 years ago. That would have been kicked off of there. But now it's accepted as commonplace. Drunkenness, drug addiction, disobedience to parents, gambling, pornography, sexual promiscuity, homosexual, and openly proud of it. I just happened to be flipping the channels just the other day and came across that blonde lady that's on television in the afternoon. And she does her dance around when she gets done. And, and they're all applauding her. And she's lesbian, homosexual. And it's applauded. And, you know, we just, you know, you talk about homosexuality, but, you know, sexual, anytime you have sex with anybody other than who you're married to, it's sin. And, and, and marriage is for a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. You understand that? A man and a woman as a husband and a wife. And anything outside that, the Bible calls it sin. And they're applauding. They're applauding sexual sin on television. Politicians passing ungodly laws and regulations at every turn. Supreme Court allowing in 1973 unborn babies to be slaughtered quote-unquote, legally. And approximately 25 million have been slaughtered through abortion since 1973. Isn't that sad? And then Genesis, fourth chapter, God says to Cain, who just killed his brother, why, what have you done? Why have you done this? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And yet, we see, what did we say, 25 million plus little babies aborted since 1973. And yet I'll see, quote unquote, men of God stand up and proclaim blessing upon America. How can God bless a nation that allows that kind of thing to go on? The beginnings of sorrows. You see, this message that I preach here today would be thrown out of most pulpits in this land in this hour because they want to, they want to hip, hip, hurrah the people. Now, we've got victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But I'm just telling you that we've been learning the principles of faith over these last many years, and we're coming right up on the time where we're going to have to put them into practice for our provision and for our protection. You understand? How can you kill 25 million babies and stand up and say that God's blessing is on the land? I believe that God's blessing is on this land only because there are Christians here who live uncompromisingly according to the word of God. Now God, God you know, you got to understand something about God. He loves people. But there comes a point where, where his, 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 his mercy is, 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 can, can come to a point of exhaustion and then judgment is left. I believe the only thing that keeps God from judging this nation are the Christians who are in it who are living right before God. That's my personal belief. Do you remember that God's judgment didn't fall upon Sodom until he got Lot out and his family? Well, there's going to be a rapture take place where God catches the church out. I wouldn't want to be here one five minutes after the church is taken out. In America, by and large, by and large, has all but forgotten God. I know there's a lot of good people in America that love God. And like I said, that's what keeps the judgment of God from falling. But you see so much wickedness. And the ninth Psalm says, the, the wicked will be turned into hell in all nations that forget God. It's interesting as you compare the United States with, with Sodom. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah. It's interesting because we always talk about the, the homosexuality and center in on that. And I've already said that the you know, Bible says that that's an abomination to the Lord. But you also need to remember that Sodom, there were some other things going on in Sodom beside the sexual promiscuity, the homosexuality. They were arrogant and haughty. And Sodom was also overfed and unconcerned. Have you heard that there's a problem of obesity in this land? And, and as I've observed the last 25 plus years, there's so much lack of concern for fellow man. It's me, my four, and no more in so many cases. And then when you compare the United States with the Roman Empire, which also, like Sodom, eventually fell, it's interesting, listen to this. Rome began as a republic and so did we. Both Rome and America became a nation among nations. Then both became empires. Both then became the most powerful nation on earth. Both occupied the Middle East. Both Roman and American currencies became universal around the world. Both became the leading voices in the world to whom everyone looked to make decisions. Both Rome and here in the United States built sports stadiums and enjoyed the brutality of sport. Did you hear me? The brutality of sport. It is said that Rome's happiness hung on a race. And that same thing can be said here in the United States, that, 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 that if such and such team wins, such and such city's happiness hangs on a race or on a ball game. Nothing wrong with watching a, a football game or a baseball game, but your happiness shouldn't hang on that whether they win or lose. Now, I'm not talking about 
you know, oh, my team lost. I'm upset about that. that that's fine. I'm talking when people, I mean, people just, that's their whole life, the game. How many knows what I'm talking about? That's what we're talking about here. And it's said of the Roman Christians that they became just like the worldly Romans. And you couldn't tell, in, in Rome, before it fell, you couldn't tell the difference between a Christian and, 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 a, and a, just a Roman non-Christian. And we see that same thing so oftentimes here in America. And the Christians in Rome were feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. And we see that again here in this land. If you just go back to when I was a kid, I'm 46 now, so you go back to the early 70s when I was about 10 years old. I can remember going out on a Sunday and it was dead as a doornail out there. Stores were closed in honor of the day of the Lord. Now, how many, how many is old enough to remember that? And it's not so anymore. Now we live in this land and you really can't tell the difference between Saturday and Sunday. Back then on a Sunday, if you saw somebody driving around on Sunday morning, they were going to church. Now you see somebody driving around on Sunday morning, they might be going to a ball game or they might be going to the mall or who knows where they're going. Do you see what's happened? And as the Roman Empire grew, the Romans, listen to this, had excessive governmental control with lack of communication within the governing bodies <laughs> and excessive taxation. And both Roman, United States, there again, you keep seeing that sin of homosexuality come up. They both allowed it. And they both allowed abortion. And you know, Sodom fell eventually. Roman Empire fell eventually. And all this stuff that I read to you, because people could come in there and say, Pastor, you know, uh, you know, uh, just because Sodom did such and such, just because Rome did such and such, you know, are you saying that the same thing is going to happen to the United States? Well, all I want to tell you is this. Look at Matthew, the 12th chapter. Even if you threw all of what I just said out, Go to Matthew, the 12th chapter and the 24th verse. To me, this is a, 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 a spiritual principle that Jesus gave that, that probably concerns me as much, if not more, than anything I just went over with you. Matthew 12, 24, Jesus knew their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house... Divided, now watch this, every city or house divided against itself will not what? Will not what? It won't stand. It can't stand. Now you need to remember this. How many has ever heard of checks and balances? And the founding fathers put the checks and balances in to our government. And I believe checks and balances are good. But they never intended for there to be the kind of division that we see between the Democrats and the Republicans at this time in which we live. They never, I'm convinced of it, they never intended for there to be division. Now, we don't have to agree on everything, but we, we can disagree on things and still be united. See, don't get checks and balances confused with division. Checks and balances are good, but there's a division in this country. 
And there's a division in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, and they're divided just basically right down the middle. How many of you are tired of listening to Democrats and Republicans argue about stuff? Wouldn't it be nice if we could unite on some stuff and get some real good stuff done? But this nation, without getting into politics, I don't want to do that here. I just want to say this, that this nation is clearly divided. And there's a spiritual principle. If you throw out everything else I said, there's a spiritual principle that concerns me about this nation. And it says that every nation, city, house, whatever, divided against itself cannot what? Cannot stand. Alexis de Tocqueville, who was a French political historian who came to America to see why she was a great nation, he came over here many years ago to see why this nation was so great. And he stated this reason for, listen to this, reason for America's greatness and ultimate decline. Listen to this. He said, I came to America, I sought for America's greatness in her spacious harbors and ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her feudal, in her fer, fertile, sorry, her fertile fields and boundless forests. It wasn't there. I sought for America's greatness in her public school systems and institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. Now listen to this. It was not until I went to the pulpits of America and I found them, notice how he found them, aflame with the preaching of righteousness that I understood America's greatness. And, and, and in my prayer time, I've, I've heard the Spirit of God saying to me for, for a long time now that the answer to this nation's problems does not sit in the White House, does not sit in the Senate or in the House of Representatives, but the answer to this nation's problems stand in the pulpits of America. The pulpits of America that are no longer aflame with the preaching of righteousness. 1 Timothy 4.1, turn there. This is very sobering. This is not a hip, hip, hoorah type message today. We need to be sobered up every once in a while. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, well, we've given you two signs earlier that shows us we're in the latter times. Some will depart from the what? From the faith. Now, did you ever notice it didn't say some will depart from the church? Now, I used to read it like that. Some will depart from the church. Did you know people can go to church while they're departed from the faith? Boy, now, don't miss that right there. I said that people can... Did you know that people can be going to church and they've, they've departed from the faith? Giving heed... Now, listen to this. To deceiving spirits... And doctrines of demons. Heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. To depart. See, that word there, it talks about depart from the faith. It's, it, it, it's apostasy or apostasia. It means to depart from the truth. Not necessarily from the church. Did you know that if a pulpit is not teaching the word of God, you could go to that church... 
And if they're not teaching the word of God, you're going to that church. You haven't departed from the church, but you've departed from the faith. Did you get what I just said? How many got what I just said? And, and if that minister has given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, you go into a church, it may have a cross on, on, the, on the wall, it may have this, that, and the other, it may have a sign outside that says Christian, but if they're not teaching you the word of God and they've given themselves to de- being deceived, by, so on and so forth, you may be going to church, but, but you're listening to somebody that's departed from the faith and they're going to depart you from the faith. Did you hear me? Look at 2 Timothy 3.1. 2 Timothy 3.1. Watch this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Well, we're in the last days perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Well, we've seen all that, haven't we? And then look at verse 5. Having a form of what? Form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people do what? Turn away. Is there, so then is it possible that, that a, a, a person could have a form of godliness? Even somebody that stands behind a pulpit could have a form of godliness but denies the power? Yeah. And what does the Bible tell you to do? From such what? Turn away. See, this nation's problems, in my opinion, have originated... In the pulpit. Did you hear me? What did Alexis de Tocqueville say when he came over? He said, it was not until I went to the churches and found the pulpits of America aflame with the preaching of righteousness. And I've watched this ever since the time I was... I've really watched this decline from the time I was a kid over these last many, many years. I've watched... I tell you what... I, I used to watch preachers come in the pulpit and stand under the power of God and preach under the power and the anointing of God. And I'm telling you what, it, it, it would move me. I'd sit there sometimes. I, I mean, when they were preaching uh, uh, concerning uh, hell and repentance and whatnot, I would sit there as a kid and I would just shake under the power of God. Sometimes preachers would come in the pulpit and they'd preach under the anointing of God and, I, and I'd just sit there and, and cry and weep under the power of God. Let me ask you, when's the last time that's happened to any of you? I'm not talking about emotion here. I'm talking about the Spirit of God touching us, moving us. And I've watched... Because I have a hat that has an O on it. What does that O stand for? Does anybody know? Observer. I just observe. And, uh, you know, you know, I don't want to say this stuff, but the Spirit of God wants me to say it, so I, I need to. But anymore, you turn it on and it's, all the preaching that you hear, now not all of it, but, but most of it. See, used to be, used to be when I was growing up, most of it was good and solid. 
and you just have have a little bit of this. Now it's gone flip-flop. Now it's just telling people what they want to hear. Making people feel better. Entertaining people. Entertaining. Entertaining. See, church, dear friends, listen to me. Church, you shouldn't come to church to be entertained. Sobering, isn't it? You should come to church to worship God. You should come to church to hear the Word of God preached in uncompromised fashion. You should come to church to hear to, 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 to be under the anointed preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You should come to church because that's where the healing power is flowing. Huh? I'm not talking about... Because, you see, I, I, I've, I've been thinking about it and praying about it, you know. And there, some of you may not be familiar with it. But back, some years back, there was a movement went through and people would, you know, they'd just laugh hilariously and roll around on the floor and act like drunks and this and that and the other. But, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where I, I just... I don't have enough Bible really to back all that up. I'm not saying somebody couldn't get drunk on the Spirit. That, that could happen. But, but I'm telling you what, I'm hungry for a move of God where people come and repent and they get right with the Lord and they judge themselves and the power of God's in manifestation and people are getting healed and touched and blessed, not acting like a bunch of fools running around and whatnot. Huh? Come on now. Now, the one night, I'll tell you, the power of God came on me and I ran around on a Wednesday night. I ran around the middle section. And a lady, see, I didn't know a lady was in the back. And her belly was blowed up like a basketball. I didn't know it. She hadn't eaten in several days or longer. And when I ran by her, and I didn't know this at the time, I ran around the middle section. And when I got done, I felt like a fool. Has anybody ever done anything you felt like a fool? I asked my wife that night, did I, did I look like a fool? She still has never answered me to this day. But the call came in the next day when I ran by the lady. She, said, she testified. It was like heat jumped off on her. And her belly deflated. She was instantly healed. Now see, let's praise God for those things. Amen. But just coming to church to run and jump and, and act crazy. But I'm for coming and worshiping God. And letting the Holy Ghost have His way. Let's have anointed preaching and teaching. And, 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 and let's, see, let's see people's lives transformed. That's what I'm hungry for. I'm hungry for the healing power of God. How about you? But I've watched this over the years. I've watched it wane off and wane off. And you know what I mean by wane off? Just go away. There's still some on there that do. But I'm on TV and radio. But, but very few and far between. It's an entertainment session anymore. I've even heard nationally known preachers stand in the pulpit and say, if I stand here and teach the Word of God, I won't have the crowds like this. I have to just give them something that's Bible-based. Or they won't come. Isn't that sad? I've even had, I had one lady tell me, she said, she said, uh, uh, don't, don't teach the Word in the youth services. This, this lady's been gone now for a while. 
She said, don't teach the word in the youth service. Just play games in there with the kids on Wednesday nights and just, just play games and then right at the end, slip a little Bible in on them at the end. I don't want to do that. I said, I don't want to do that. And I refused to do it and she left. Well, we bless, bless them, you know. I, I'm going to stick with the word of God. And so I wasn't going to share this next part, but I'm going to because um, actually I almost struck it from the message, but the Lord wanted it in, so I'll leave it in. And I don't say this judgmentally, but, but I want to share it. Some time ago, my wife and I, actually she did it, and, then, and I looked at it. She went to some of the websites of some of the, now not all of them, but some of the larger churches in the St. Louis area. And she saw, much to her surprise, and I was shocked as well. And I'm telling you, there, there's, a, there's, there's some people in here that need to hear this. And you're not here today by accident. You came because the Lord directed you to come. You may not have even wanted to come, but you're here just to hear this next part. Because God has a plan for your life, but if you don't listen to this, you're going to get off track. And you're not going to do all that God wants you to do. So listen to this. But some of the websites of some of the larger churches here in this St. Louis area, not all of them, I'm not being judgmental, but we, we, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Is that right? And I'd expect them to look at me just like I'd look at them. But my wife saw this. She said, honey, you've got to come in here and see this. And I went in and we looked and there were several of them, not just one, but, but dozens and dozens just of the pastors, assistant pastors, worship leaders, different. They've got listed on their website their favorite movies. And so many of them, R-rated movies, were prof- then you go to the James Dobson website and check that movie out, and that movie that these certain pastors and assistant pastors, they're teaching this morning, even as we teach, right here not far away from where we're at, they're, 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 some of their favorite movies are movies that contain, they're R-rated, they contain profanity and sexual misconduct. And the books, their favorite reads, reads, what they like to read. Books in the same vein where you go check out the the description of the book and it's filled with profanity and sexual misconduct. And then you listen to the music that they like and they list down what they like, you see, and what they listen to. And it's music that's even sometimes quote-unquote Christian music, but yet it's in the same vein as these others. And yet these people are standing up preaching to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right here and there. Now you say, Pastor Terry, you know, you're just being judgmental. You shouldn't teach along these lines. Listen, I have, an, I have a, a responsibility as a pastor to protect you and to share some of this stuff with you. Because you may not be aware of it. And yet they stand in the pulpits and they, and they teach. And, 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 and they draw a lot of young people. I can see why they draw a lot of young people. Because, I don't know, it just seems like young people, it's sad, but they don't want to come just sit and listen to the Word of God. But, you know, if you'll just entertain them. This is about more than being entertained, dear friends. We need, we need, we need to check up on and, and, and understand some things about what our leaders are teaching us and what they're doing. Can, can you say amen? amen? 
And I'll tell you the truth, if I did, if I put just one of some of these things up on our website, you read that, you know, Pastor Terry is going to R-rated movies where they're saying GD every time you turn around or they're using bad words, I'd expect you to leave this church. But yet these people posted on their website and, and more people flocked to it. And that goes on right here in St. Louis, dear friends. Some shall depart from the faith. Whatever happened to holy living? Huh? And I'm convinced that in fairness to some of these leaders, you know, I think you should know better, but in fairness to some of them, they may not just know any better. So rather than being judgmental of them, oughtn't we pray for them? And we ought to look at ourselves first, shouldn't we? And judge ourselves. Didn't Jesus say before you, before you remove the, 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 the wood, the plank or whatever from your brother's eye, get the telephone pole out of your own? Is that right? I don't preach. I, I don't say too much about this stuff, but it, the Holy Ghost wanted it said today. Even if it's just to help one person. You better check up on what your pastors are doing in their free time. Or what are they listening to? What are they, what are they putting on their website? What are they listening to? Are they, are they watching movies? You know, it, it amazes my wife and I how many Christians we've run into over the years that they'll say, well, we went and saw such and such movie and, and they're Christians and they don't think anything of it. You get to checking up on it and that movie took the name of the Lord in vain about ten times in it. And dear friends, what in the world is going on here? See, and the kind, and I'll just be honest with you, share my heart openly with you. See, the kind of preacher that I am and that God trained me to be, it, it just, it, it, it's, it seems like it's kind of gone out of vogue. Just about the time God's got me trained, it seems like I'm kind of out of vogue. I'm kind of like a dinosaur because people want to be entertained. People want to, you know, be told jokes. And all I know to give you is the Word of God and the power of God. Well, I guess I'm just going to go on doing that. Amen? I don't know what else to do. Those that come, come. Those that don't, won't. God will supply. Amen? Amen. There ought to be a difference between us and the world. I said there ought to be a difference. Didn't the Bible say come out from among them and be separate? But see, if you got somebody standing in the pulpit and they're listening to stuff with our, you know, our and, and maybe worse ratings, profanity, sexual misconduct going on, there's no way that that can't, inf- there's no way that it can't infiltrate and get through to you somehow or another. You better listen to what I'm saying. I've got your best interest at heart. Revelation 3. Go there if you would very quickly. Revelation 3. See, I like preaching hip, hip, hoorah messages better. But this is, this is probably do, do you more good in the end. Revelation 3.14. Let's always be excited about the word of God. If I have to have light shows, I had one, one person tell me, this is a rather large ministry, say that if we don't have light shows and fireworks going off, people won't come. Isn't that sad? But what are they coming for anyway? I, I always went, went to, the, to the meetings and things, you know, for the Word of God. Hang around where the power of God is. 
I've already had, had it in services where there, I remember one day there was a little girl that came. She was about 12 years old. And, and the power of God came on me that day and I got to preaching under the power of God. I remember she stood out in the foyer there out in the front and she was actually standing there shaking under the power of God, under the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And she said, I've never been, she was telling her mom, I've never been in anything like this. I've never been around anything like this. I never, she, I gotta give my heart to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Revelation 3.14. Turn there. We'll just go on a little bit longer. Revelation 3.14. Revelation 3.14. Into the angel or the pastor. Actually, the church of Laodiceans. Look at verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. That you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Now, Jesus said that to a church. Now, it was the last church mentioned in the book of Revelation. You know, Revelation 2 and 3 talks about seven churches. It's the last one mentioned. Some say that because it was the last one mentioned, that it's, the, it's, 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 it's symbolic of the last church that will be on earth before the Lord is, comes into rapture. That could well be. There's a truth in it. Some argue that that's not the case. But I'll tell you this much. As I look around in this land today, I see a lot of lukewarmness in churches. Now, would it, be, would it be better to be cold or lukewarm? It better be cold, wouldn't it? You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying either get in or get out. See, I would think in my thinking, well, it would be better to be at least lukewarm than cold. No, he said it would be better to be cold than lukewarm. You're either going to live for God or you're not. You're either going to sell out to God or you're not. And I'm telling you, we're, we've come up on these end days now and these people that want to live with one, one foot in the church and the other foot in the world, I'm telling you that there's a fence. Just think if you straddle a fence and you got one foot on this side, one foot on this side, and you're going down that fence line, what's going to happen eventually? A fence post is going to come up. Is that right? How many knows what I'm talking about? And I'm telling you that people that want to have one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and want to, want, to, want to do, you know, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, I'm telling you we're coming right up on that time where that fence post is going to come up and, and you better listen to me and you better make up, a, make up your mind. And Jesus says you're better off just to, just to get out altogether than, than to be lukewarm. Dear friends, let, let's don't be cold or lukewarm. Let's make a decision to be hot. Can you say amen? Let's be full-time Christians. What do you say? Lukewarm. And then verse 17 says, notice this. We're talking about God bless America. In order for him to bless it, see, he, 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 he can't bless it in, 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 with, with the stuff that's going on here in the land. What's going to change it? The pulpits. Christians. If it can be changed, that's the only way it's going to happen. And then verse 17, because you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy, have need of nothing. And then he says, don't you know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? If you go back, how many remembers that charismatic move that took place in the early to mid-70s? How many remembers that? And if you look at it, as it's gone along over all these years, it basically eventually broke off into two different groups primarily. You got one group that now... Uh, will stand up and, and they will not... Pre, I'm talking preachers now. They won't take a stand on anything. 
They won't call sin, sin. They won't call holiness, holiness. They go on national television shows and, and, and they're asked the simple question, how do you get saved? Is Jesus the only way? And they won't answer the question. They, they say, well, he's the best way. Well, listen, Jesus isn't the best way, dear friends. He's the only way. And, and, and they won't answer a question that a third, third grade Sunday school student could answer. How do you get saved? Well, I, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that, 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 that you see that they're not cold. They're not hot. When they're with the hot group, they're hot. When they're with the cold group, they're cold. Most of the time, they're lukewarm. My God, what in the world is going on? But don't you see? And then that other group broke off, and they're the prosperity group where they're talking about blessing all the time and money all the time and blessing all the time. How many of you know God wants us blessed, but we shouldn't be emphasizing it and talking about it all the time? And to tell you the truth, I'd avoid both groups if I were you. As many as I love, verse 19, I rebuke and chasten. Be watchful if God's never rebuking you or chastening you. If he's never rebuking you or chastening you, that means that you're, you're not saved because he rebukes and chastens the saved. Be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come to him and dine with him and he with me. Very quickly, I'm almost out of time, but go to 2 Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2. Because I'm leading to something as we're going to close the service, and we're going to pray right before we close the service. For this pulpit and the other pulpits in the land, I don't know why, but God wants me to do that today. So that's what we're going to do right before we close. Look at this in the Amplified Bible, 2 Timothy 4.2. This is what you need to be believing for your pastor to be like and the, and the, and the pulpits of America. Look at this, because see, some people say, well, how do I pray for preachers? Well, watch it. 2 Timothy 4.2, Amplified Bible, herald and preach the word. Keep, now, he's, Paul's t- telling a preacher here what he's supposed to do. This is how you can pray for your minister, that he be like this. Now, the minister is supposed to keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are what? Now, I've actually had people leave the church over the years because I stood up and taught the Word of God and and said, you know, such and such, the Word says it's sin, you shouldn't be doing it because sin will destroy you, and they get mad at me. And they say, Pastor, you're supposed to lift me up all the time. You're never supposed to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Well, see, then you don't have a man of God. Do you know a man of God will not always just have blessing in his mouth, but a man of God will have blessing and Judgment. Is that right? Repentance. And a man of God won't just always have repentance in his mouth and judgment. He'll have blessing. A man of God will have both in his mouth. Uh, uh, Blessing and repent. Repent, you'll be blessed. But look at this. You're supposed to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them. Rebuking. uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. What's a preacher supposed to do? Rebuke and correct, warn and urge and encourage. You see, it's all supposed to be there, isn't it? But yet you'll go to you'll go to you go to a stadium where there's fifty thousand people, and the preacher is going to be encouraging, but there's never any rebuke, correction, warning, or urging. Being unflagged and inexhaustible in patience and teaching, for the time is coming 
When people will not tolerate, endure, sound, and wholesome instruction, we're living in that time. I've been fighting against that for years. Because people, seems like they don't want sound teaching. Just hip, hip, hoorah me, pastor. Give me a 30-minute message and get me out before the Baptists get to the restaurant. And having itching ears, having itching ears, ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. My, my, my. Pastor, tell me it's all right that I go to a movie that that takes the name of the Lord in vain. I'm not going to do that. Tell me it's all right to go to a movie where they've got bedroom scenes with sexual sexual innuendo. I'm not going to tell you that's okay. And will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. See, we need to pray for our president, all right, but we must also, and I feel more importantly, pray for the ministers of America. That they stay aflame with the preaching of the Bible and God's uncompromised righteousness, calling sinners to repentance, faith, and a life sold out to Jesus Christ. Paul made the statement, he said, Pray for me that utterance would be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. See, we need to be praying for pulpits to tell us in which way our lives are wrong and to also encourage us and to also speak boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. Can you say amen? Look at Jeremiah 18. I know I'm running just a little long here, but but look at this. Jeremiah 18, verse 15. Look at this. You need to get a hold of this. Jeremiah 18 and 15. Look at this. We'll close with this scripture. Look at this. Jeremiah 18 and 15. Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols. I've actually had people tell me over the years, I can't come to church Wednesday night, Pastor. And I said, why? Uh, Because I have to stay home and watch American Idol. I've actually had people tell me that. Now, dear friends, and then we wonder why we don't have any more power in our church at times than what we do. I tell you what, when you need healing in your body, the idol isn't going to be able to heal you. You need to listen to me. I'm not against having a good time. I'm all for having a good time. But you know some of the best times I've had in my life is flowing with the healing power of God and watching people get healed and blessed. My people have forgotten me. They've burned incense to worthless idols. They've caused themselves to stumble in their ways. Now, why did they stumble? They got away from the what? The ancient paths. I've had people say to me, Pastor Terry, you're a dinosaur. You know what I mean? What they meant by that? You're just an old fuddy-duddy. Well, you know what? I may be, but I'm not getting away from the ancient paths of the Word of God. And they leave these ancient paths... To walk in pathways, actually that study it out means bypass or paths that are built by men that look right but are not built by God. See, they've left the ancient paths and walk in bypass or pathways and not on a highway and actually not on a road established and built by God. See, I'm going to stick with the ancient paths. I'm going to stick with preaching and teaching the word of God. I come to preach and teach the word, not to entertain. And God, give me a people in this area that's hungry, that's hungry for a move of the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? amen? 
to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. I will scatter them as with, as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them. Notice what, what God's going to do. People that forget him. Remember, all the people that forget God will be turned away. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. Well, we're living in a time of sorrows, days of calamity. I don't know about you, but I want to honor God. I want to honor Him. I want to honor Him. I want to honor Him so that when the calamity comes and I cry out to Him, He doesn't turn His back on me. But He says, here I am. But if you don't honor Him now, when the calamity comes and you cry out, the Bible says He'll turn His back on you. Let's stand in the presence of a holy God. I don't need the altar call music today. Let's just stand here in the presence of God just for a few minutes before we're dismissed. So we're going to pray. And the altar call people can just hold off. You can come up here in just a minute. I just want to say this. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you need to do so before you leave here today. Now listen, I, I, I perceive by the Spirit of God. That means I know by the Spirit of God. There's, there's some people in here that, that you're not right with the Lord. You're not right with the Lord. You're not saved. There's one person you think you're saved, but you're not. You need, you need, have you ever repented of your sins? That just means you've decided to stop living the old life and start living for God. That's all repent means, to have a change of heart. And in this context, you turn from your old life and you turn uh, to your new life of walking with God. And then you place your trust, your faith, however you want to say it, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You ask Him to come into your heart and and you confess Him as your Lord. And, And you may have prayed that prayer in the past, but you see, you've never served God. And you see, when people get saved, they start serving God. I said, when people get saved, they start serving God. And so I'm just telling you the truth of the matter. You need to get right with the Lord today. So in a few moments, when we dismiss, there'll be some men and women standing right up here in the front. You just walk up to them. Now, I can't make you do it. I I don't even know who you are. I just know you're here. I can't make you do it. But you need to come up. The time is short. You need to, and I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just saying you need to get yourself right with the Lord. You, you, you're not here today by accident. I'm telling you, you're not. You're here. God wanted you here to hear what I'm saying right now and what I've said here in this message. But primarily, you need to listen to this. There's a heaven above and a hell beneath. None of us are going to live forever. You need to be sure you're right with the Lord before you leave here today. So when we dismiss here in just about five minutes, there'll be some men and women standing up here. You make your way up. You talk to them. And you, you tell them, and, and get, tell, them, tell them you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you want to really start serving God and sell out to Him. And I tell you what, the Lord Jesus will come into your heart. He'll give you a new life. Praise God. He'll make life worth living. And good news is then also one day you'll miss hell and make heaven. So it's, it's a win-win-win situation, okay? If you need healing in your body, you need to be baptized with the Spirit, whatever it is. There'll be some people up here that, that will pray with you, these same people, after we dismiss. You can make your way forward. But, but I just in my prayer time, I felt it important that we pray for this pulpit here, our pulpit, and the pulpits in the St. Louis area and across the nation, not judgmentally, but just pray. 
It would seem God does nothing in the earth except people give him the avenue to do so through prayer. That's the way he set it up. So just, just grab the hand of the person next to you. And if there's not somebody right, right close to you, just step over to your side. Just grab the hand of somebody next to you. Let's get in agreement here and pray. Pray for our pulpit. And, and so I said, well, aren't you going to pray for the president? We've already done that. We just, we, need to pray, I don't know, we just need to pray for the pulpits of America and then we'll be dismissed. All right, I'll lead you. Just say this after me. Say, oh God, come to you in Jesus' name. And we pray for the pulpits. We start with our pulpit. And then we pray for the pulpits of St. Louis. And of the United States. For we know and are convinced... That that is where the answer lay. First of all, for this pulpit, give Pastor Terry utterance in the Holy Ghost that he would proclaim the word of God and righteousness boldly without compromise. If there's things in his life that shouldn't be there, Reveal it to him that he would repent, put those things aside, and increase in the power of God. We pray for the pulpits of St. Louis. Anyone that's not aflame with the fire of God. We ask that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And that you'd show them what they need to do. Yet you'd show them what they need to get out of their lives. And you'd prompt them to preach and teach the uncompromised word of God. Not entertain the people to draw a crowd, but to preach the word. To be instant in season and out. To preach it whether convenient or inconvenient. To encourage and also rebuke and correct in line with the word of God. And we pray these things also for the pulpits of America. And it is in Jesus name that we pray. And we believe it will be done. And that the ministers will be obedient to the voice of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, greet three or four people and you're dismissed.